There will always be a special place in my heart for the movie musical and for the songs that create their most memorable moments. Here to perform the Oscar-nominated, gorgeously empowering song, Let It Go, from the Oscar-winning animated movie, Frozen, please welcome the wickedly talented, one and only, Adele Dazim. Opening my second beer. Second beer on standby. <laughs> uh, hold for beer. Yeah. Beer flying. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 118 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing the Oscars. The yes. 2023 Oscars. The Were there 95th. snubs? Were there flubs? Um, hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, ABC, the... Disney Corporation. The 95th <laughs> Annual Academy Awards. Yes. Um, let's just dive into it. Yeah. How, how, did, how, how did you feel about the Oscars this year compared to past years, I suppose? So I think <clears throat> this ceremony is definitely a like, huge improvement over the past couple of years as far as movies recognized and this like the flow of the show. I think thinking back on the past like three or four years, there's always been something like kind of weird or just like kind of gross about the ceremony or something I just didn't really like or wasn't into. Um, especially after this like uh, one, two, three of like uh, COVID and then post COVID and like the slap and then now this. I feel like over the past couple of years, there's been like something kind of iconic and big happening. And I feel like now is like a good time to finally like stop watching, especially now that like everything mm. everywhere all at once like basically swept in like a good way. I feel you like it's like stop watching the Oscars. I mean, well, at you least like go out. Okay? <laughs> this feels like a good logical place to like stop because like it's really great seeing Kihei Kwan get an Oscar, Brendan Fraser get an Oscar, um, Michelle Yeoh. Like that was great. I'm so happy that everything everywhere all at once basically like won the night and essentially swept all of the big awards i think that was like the best part about it and i feel like it's a nice signal of like a regime change kind of like okay we're kind of diving into this new indie wave and i think a24 is like leading that charge really well and i feel like it's only gonna go up from here but yeah as far as like the ceremony it was okay there's some i, I made a little thing of like okay either things either can be fun dumb or gross and i feel like there wasn't a ton of like gross things that happened at this one it was mostly just like fun and dumb like it didn't get like there wasn't like a slap there wasn't like lady gaga rolling out liza minnelli for like a very painful oh, like yeah like we didn't have anything like that. that thank you for yeah. reminding me about that <laughs> i'm sorry um but yeah there's there's been like some bad ceremonies and like bad winners and i feel like this was a good middle ground um what do you think uh uh yeah, I I feel like this was a better ceremony than recent years. I I think the last time I really enjoyed watching the Oscars was the year that uh what was it? Uh Sheep of Water won. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I don't know what it was about that ceremony. I think it was just that like I was kind of hating on the Oscars until then and then I tuned in and something about that night it was just a good night. Yeah. Um, and it was also interesting to me that a, a movie where a woman fucks a fish was considered <laughs> the best picture of the year. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think 
I, I enjoyed this one. I think Jimmy Kimmel did a good job. There weren't a ton of sketches, which I, I'm glad about. Yeah. Not yeah. a ton of bits, not a bunch of skits. Um, he just came out there, he told his jokes, and he did like one, you know, thing where he went to the audience, which is, is has become kind of typical, like going yeah. to the audience and interacting with the crowd. Um, and yeah. even that was still like pretty tame. It's just like him delivering his jokes, but now he's standing around celebrities. Yeah, he kept it pushing. Like if like there was like the Malala one that admittedly our group of people were like sort of talking over, but I feel like he like the joke didn't land and he just moved on. Like he just like just yeah. it's like uh, okay, this what was work. the Malala land joke that was unpleasant. Oh, uh, okay. See, I don't <laughs> I remember feel like that. <laughs> there was one joke before that cuz I watched the clip. I saw the clip floating around online. Okay. Um where he he introduces Malala and like um talks about how great she is. And then he's like, so I got to ask, what do you think of, he's like, do you think Chris Pines spit on yes, Harry Styles yeah. <laughs> or whatever? Um, which I think is a fine joke. Like the joke is that it's fucking stupid to ask Malala that. Yes, um, yes, yeah. But like some people were apparently upset on Twitter being like, how dare you uh, <laughs> do this stupid thing that is intentionally stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but, crowd work. He's out there. You know, you know it's just, it's it comes with the territory and like you you said it and i sort of echoed this the night of like it could be so much worse and i feel like what we yeah. got is like very tame and very we were very, yeah. just pumping through it and yeah. like i feel like the best way to approach this is to have it be a ceremony that is celebrating movies celebrating yeah. cinema the people behind the camera the people in front of the camera it's got to be a celebration Instead of just being this weird distraction that gets caught up in, I don't know, sketches and all this bullshit. And, yeah. Um, it's funny. I remember the Game Awards happened. <laughs> and I was chatting with my friend where I was mm. like, I feel like the Game Awards, like the Oscars could maybe learn some things from the Game <laughs> Awards. Because it's like, they kind of just like fly through all of the awards and then play a bunch of trailers <laughs> for new things. And they go to a commercial yeah, yeah. break, which is more trailers um they overcompensate yeah, yeah um they go way too far in the other direction however the oscars i do think so so they played a little mermaid trailer which was a little weird yeah yeah we, but we I, got into the whole disney conspiracy thing <laughs> yeah like disney owns abc abc is playing the oscars they're playing a trailer for their own movie yeah. um i think emily got a text from her dad being like is disney sponsoring the oscars and it's like no they own the oscars yeah. essentially yeah. Yeah. um but um, I, I do think it, it is kind of nice to have that, like, trickled in of, like, here is, you know, we're honoring the movies that have happened. What's next? You know, what do we have to look forward to? Like, I think that could be a good tool to keep people engaged, maybe. Yeah. And maybe just playing a fucking full-length trailer just isn't the best way to do it. Yeah. Also, maybe not The Little Mermaid. Maybe, like, give us an exclusive Oppenheimer clip or yeah, something. Yeah, are there any... Are there any announcements from filmmakers that are being honored tonight like what's yeah, the next yeah. spielberg thing what is like maybe <laughs> yeah treat it as a place to maybe that'll get people more people to tune in is like oh they're an announcing a new thing but then i don't know everyone all, all anyone cares about now is like franchise bullshit so yeah like i was looking at so one of my maybe favorite I'm totally things wrong with everything i'm saying sorry go ahead <laughs> yeah maybe well well just to nerd out a little bit just talking about like it's a good transition thinking about like the year ahead and like so now like yeah 2022 and the recognition is sort of over now we're moving into thinking about what's coming out for the rest of this year and what will be 
you know, accoladed once we're at this point next year. And I, one of my favorite things is on Wikipedia, they have this article and essentially it's 2023 in American film. And it breaks down just from January 1st to December 31st, every single movie that comes out. And I just love going through and kind of like just coming through and just seeing the releases like week by week. And this year it just gets like absolutely insane with franchises. So this year we already had Creed 3, but we have John Wick 4, Mission Impossible 7, Transformers 7, Guardians 3, Fast 10, Dune 2, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, The wow. Equalizer 3, Expen a, Expendables a 4, Big Fat Greek <laughs> The Meg 2. <laughs> the Meg 2, I am actually yeah. interested in. I didn't see the first one, but Ben Wheatley is doing The Meg 2, yeah. uh, director of Kill List. And I find it very odd. <laughs> so I'm yeah, actually interested. And it's like the same cast too, which is interesting. Um, and I'm I'm like down to do an Expendables four. Why not? I don't. I really don't care. <laughs> like I'm, once I get to that point in my tough guy list, I will be excited to to do those franchises. But yeah, it's insane how many just like sequels are coming out this year amidst like really cool stuff like Bo is Afraid or like Barbie is coming out. There's a please, there's a Please Don't Destroy movie coming out hmm. in August. Which okay. I didn't know about. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm uh, looking forward to John Wick 4. I saw a yeah. review of it last night and it got me hyped. They were like, it's like, it's like anime It meets Hotline Miami. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I fucking love Hotline Miami. Yeah, um, anyway, awesome. um, were there any uh, uh, award wins that you disagree with? Let's get through, let's get through those. Um, stuff I didn't really agree with, I would say... Um, I didn't expect All Quiet on the Western Front to win as much as it did. I yeah. definitely felt like we've seen that movie before and we'll see that movie again. But somehow it you know, it won like best score and production design. It feels weird that like there were so many great things nominated and so much representation in the room. It does feel weird that like it does feel like it was a shutout snub kind of year that like. Yeah. Like Angela Bassett losing is still kind of like that's a little that rough for me. Is the one that bothers me the most. I <laughs> yeah, think. yeah, because um, like her performance literally carries Black Panther two far more than what Jamie Lee Curtis does for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So like when I, I when I look at the Best Supporting Actress nominees, I see Jamie Lee Curtis in there, and I'm like, yeah, she did a great, great performance, but I wouldn't have thought this deserves to be nominated for an Oscar. I wouldn't say that about any of them. Uh, except for maybe Angela, Angela Bassett's the only one where I'm like, yeah, I can understand this person being nominated. Yeah. Like, well, I, and I haven't seen and Hong Chow. Whale. And, and Hong Chow, whale, so, she yeah. does a fantastic job in, in The Whale. Um, so, yeah. And Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inna Sharon is also I, doing... I, yeah, I think she yeah. did a great job, but I'm also yeah. like... I didn't I didn't watch The Banshees of Inna Sharon and think, wow, she deserves an Academy Award nomination for this performance. I didn't think yeah. that about Stephanie Hsu. I didn't think about that about Jamie Lee Curtis. Um... I, what I find surprising is that this is the year Women Talking came out, yeah. and none of those women were nominated for yeah, that is odd. Yeah. any uh, performance. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely odd. Um, yeah, and I mentioned before, I'm a big champion of Jesse Buckley's performance in that movie. Yeah, um, yeah and it's in like, yeah, that's a movie where it's just, it, 90% of that movie takes place in a barn. And so, yeah, like if the acting isn't good, then that movie doesn't function at all. Maybe it's like a thing where they couldn't figure out who to nominate. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It would have been it's... hilarious if Ben Wishaw got a nomination from that. And <laughs> Yeah, the only award. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. 
I'm definitely happy about Guillermo del Toro winning for mm-hmm. Pinocchio. I think that's definitely well deserved. Um, all all hearts and love to that man. I just want him to have just all of the success. Uh, although when they showed the clips from the nominated animated movies, uh, I did become way more intrigued in Puss in Boots, and I kind of yeah. I kind of want to go see it. <laughs> yeah, it looks uh, fun. Have no, you know built-in interest from me but uh the animation style looks intriguing um you gotta watch the first three shrek movies and puss in boots to to understand do i really need to have you seen it well there's is a lore heavy world written by george rr martin under a pseudonym (laughs) people don't know this this is actually it's like elden ring (laughs) um best song natu natu yeah uh happy for but like thinking about it later not to not to the reason that scene is great is because of the dancing yeah not necessarily the song um i have an indian friend who was like this is honestly kind of mediocre indian music so it's (laughs) it's interesting that this is notable to american audiences yeah i don't know i feel like within the context of the movie that uh, there's a lot of great songs in that movie but that one is like such a centerpiece of it and even though it's like led by dance more so than the yeah. actual music and lyrics, I don't know. Music and dance, they're those been together since the dawn of time. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of okay with it, and especially because we get to have the performance at the ceremony, which is just like makes yeah. me so happy. There was some controversy about that too. Did you see that? that yeah. Like, <laughs> they were like, "Why aren't there?" I think people were complaining that it was a little too white, gotcha. <laughs> the, the performance, or just like too diver- Americanized, diverse, rather than gotcha. just being like, you know, overwhelmingly Indian. I I, I understand. I do understand. Um, yeah, it, it is. It is tough because, like, yeah, you're in Hollywood. You can probably find like the best of the best Indian yeah, brown fly people. people in. Yeah, yeah, it's like you have the money. Yeah, if you have enough budget to fucking bring in Harriers for the like the, uh, the intro, yeah. which we sort of missed, but um, yeah, like the Jimmy Kimmel Top Gun intro is just like ridiculous. And so, yeah, if you have that kind of money, you might be able to expand that casting call a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I say, like it it's, it didn't bother me too much. I'm just really happy that the song itself gets to be on such a big stage. Yeah, it does make it. So so so, ratings were up this year. I think they've been up over the past couple of years. They were especially low in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um. Or maybe twenty twenty one. I think twenty twenty. Um. So I wonder if some of that. I, it would be interesting to see how much of that is international ratings and how much of it's coming from India. I don't know. I maybe I I honestly if. If I'm being real, I think there might have been an uptick of viewership just because of the controversy of last year. Mm-hmm. I feel like oh, people yeah, are just being like, yeah, like definitely. I want to be there to see. I want to see the slap happen. Yeah, or like if something happens, I want to be there for it. Um, yeah. Because it, it was a great day on Twitter. <laughs> it's very fucking entertaining. Um, yeah, just the the way that entire moment played out will forever be hilarious to me because like it happens immediate confusion in the room of the people I'm with and then text messages just start appearing <laughs> yeah. on my phone. Well, because like, uh... it was like, there was like a weird edit when yeah, it aired yeah. live. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's funny because like, I know people in my family who I'm like, I'm the movie guy to them and so they're just like, is this real? Like, and I was like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm watching the what same you know? <laughs> video that you're watching. Um, uh, any other s- notable snubs, I guess? Or uh, points of disagreement? Uh, 
I know uh, when All Quiet won Best Score, there were gasps in our room. Uh, yes. People shouting, <laughs> hollering. Um, because why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt like, yeah, John Williams was a f- should have been favored for it. Um, and yeah, like we said, All Quiet on the Western Front wasn't, we weren't that into it, but also the music of it is very like Hans and Marie, farty, yeah. synthy, <laughs> didn't really match. Well, I think it's like purposely contrasting. Maybe that was why people were into it. I don't know. I voted for everything everywhere just because it was the only one that made an impression on me. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't even remember the music in the Fablemans. I didn't see Babylon. I don't remember the Banshees of Inishirin, the music yeah. being noteworthy. Um, yeah. And I guess if I'm being honest, sometimes the scores don't stick out to me unless they have like those iconic stings or like, you know, like certain themes have like those iconic pieces to them yeah. and some are more just like just accompanying and lifting up the uh, the visuals and being subtle as opposed to being just like iconic like indiana jones four yeah. or five notes you know what it is um everything everywhere there are moments in the score where it kind of reminded me of john bryan who does a lot of paul thomas anderson stuff mm-hmm, um yeah. and then i just remember there there was like an interesting use of electronics that struck me uh, it felt kind of indie, and looking into it, it's a band, just some band yes. that did all the music. Um, yeah, that's dope. Uh, yeah, so just a couple of things of trivia. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once became the first film since 2013's Gravity to win seven Academy Awards and to be the most awarded Best Picture winner since 2008's Slumdog Millionaire. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting, man. Like it is interesting that the that Daniels became <laughs> yeah. best director. Um, I don't know. It does feel like a shift, but it's we won't know. We won't know until next year and the year after. But it does feel like it is potentially a shift to this new phase of filmmaking. This more like DIY indie approach, or at least hopefully a shift in the Oscars being able to recognize that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Because it's like, comedies never win, and this is, like, pretty close to a comedy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is, yes. It, it is wacky enough. But I felt every type of emotion I could feel during that movie, so. Yes, definitely. My question, uh, off the top of your head, do you know if Kubrick ever won Best Director Oscar? <laughs> oh, I don't know. So that'd be hilarious if the Daniels have one, but Stanley Kubrick doesn't. <laughs> um... I think he won for Doctor Strange Love and 2001. Okay. Oh no, he was nominated for both. He did. He hasn't won. <laughs> gotcha. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So you gotta have more farts and butt plugs to get yeah. an Oscar. Mm. Learn from the Daniels. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was looking at the winners from like a few years before, and like, yeah, 2022 was Coda. Yeah. Uh, 2021 was Nomadland. Um. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's like either a safe choice or like. A lame choice and i feel like this is like a really usually it's choice. a lame choice a, so a good, okay a good movie to like champion and be behind you, like green book three years ago <laughs> so last year you seem to be more understanding of coda getting the win than i was <laughs> i yeah. did not like coda i don't think it should have been nominated um do you stand by that do you think coda makes sense as a winner um yeah like yeah, that's the thing i understand why something like heartwarming and like middle of the road Was and it like the best picture come on <laughs> yeah, I, I i understand why those movies will win in some years um 
I'm, like looking at the like that year there's like uh like yeah it it feels like it's like don't look up was nominated what the fuck yeah are we doing? but also that's the thing it's like with the whole 10 like it's really a mixed bag because sometimes like it's great and it's just a stacked year but then it'll be like really bad inclusions um with yeah so with last year i'm okay with code i would prefer something like drive my car or dune or yeah, Licorice drive my Pizza. Car probably should have been uh yeah there's a lot of great movies in that list um but yeah i i like i say i think there's a lot to be said about just good crowd-pleasing middle-of-the-road movies that just like capture hearts i keep saying that cheesy shit like capture hearts but that's kind of what it is at the end of the day it's like everything everywhere at once captured a lot of hearts like as cheesy it is to put it in those words yeah. that's just how that's just what it was um what about the previous year 2020 nomadland i think it kind of makes sense although yeah. looking at the list are there any other movies that we feel should have yeah, like Sound of Metal, Minari, for, for sure. For me, it's Sound of Metal, man. And Judas and Black Messiah as, as well. Yeah, Judas and Black Messiah, great. The Father, great. But Anthony Hopkins got the Best Actor Award, which, like, that was also controversial because Chadwick Boseman was nominated. Yeah. And, like, while Anthony Hopkins' performance was insane, Chadwick Boseman's performance was coming from a man who was dying. Yeah. Like, so that is a different level of achievement. And also, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is, like, a very, very good movie, and his performance in it is very specific, yeah. and, like, just to how that movie functions, because, like, yeah, it's just a bunch of musicians who have a very particular kind of demeanor, and then he comes in just, like, off the hinges, just, like, very high, very charismatic, and it's just, like, a great energy in that movie, to the point where, I'm like, yeah, like, it does feel like a snub, but it's in the past, it's, yes. it was a couple years ago. I do think it's fascinating that that year things are shifted because of a perceived win that is going to happen and it didn't happen with uh them putting best actor last in anticipation of that and so here we have harrison ford giving the best picture nomination uh uh, announcing the best picture nomination with the assumption that it might be everything everywhere at once so we can have the moment of him that was a safer chance than being like we're gonna present best actor last yeah and even if it is artificial fuck it i love it like let them have that moment like i'm a softy for that because like i've mentioned this before uh temple of doom was my favorite indiana jones movie as a kid and so to see them like finally reconnecting like at the end of like you know i don't know it just it makes me fucking soft and emotional sharing the moment together yeah so i could ignore the dumb gross stuff cutting the spielberg and the audience yeah yeah i could ignore dumb stuff for in snubs if we can have like good heartwarming moments like that but like i said this felt like a good (laughs) a good year to step off the ride and kind of just like watch the speeches i was talking to my friend Kristen about that she's like just watch the speeches and i'm like that's a smart way to do it i wonder if in a few years will we look back at everything everywhere and be like no didn't deserve it it should have been elvis (laughs) (laughs) um i would understand tar getting it um, but it also gonna, feels like a not in, an uninteresting win to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to look back and we're all going to agree Top Gun was robbed in every way. It saved movie theaters. It, it saved, saved America. <laughs> it saved the nation. It, the nation was fractured and Top Gun was the cast. Anything else on the Oscars? Uh, that's about it. Uh, I've been watching anything this week. Finished The Last of Us. Yes. Have you? Yes, I did. 
What do you think of the ending? Um, so playing through the game, the last mission is like the most vivid memory I have of that game. And so when we get to the the setup of the situation, uh, also spoilers since it's the end of the show and the end yeah. of the game. So fair warning. Uh, so once we get to the point where Joel is back with the back with Marlene in like in this hospital like area, I'm like, okay, I know this is not going to be that entertaining of an episode because he's just going to be gunning down people for. Yeah. The majority of this episode, which I think they did a good job depicting that. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because he's he's a, a morally gray character that makes a, a very tough decision to like lie and to, yeah. to lie to her to sort of keep this going on. Um, I think that adds to the what makes the show beautiful and makes the story beautiful is that it's it's not heroes, it's not villains, it's just humans just making very tough decisions and. I don't know, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to where it picks up because I don't know anything about the story after this point. Yeah, neither do I, really. Yeah, I thought it was good. What did you think? Um, I was really surprised. I wasn't expecting them to get to the Fireflies and resolve the the game's story in one episode. Um, I kind of wish there was more build-up to Joel's decision because it feels... Like, it, it should feel very impactful. I'm mostly just curious how it felt to people who haven't played the game because to me i knew it was coming and i never felt fully uh i don't know it didn't take me it didn't grab me you know um i think yeah i think they should have yeah had more build up uh i i think it would have been helpful if like maybe uh joel and ellie get to the fireflies and we actually get to spend some time there feeling like things are going good um We have, we have the moment with the giraffes where things are going good, but it, it, I, I don't know. I would have liked a false sense of security when they reached, reached the Fireflies. I agree. And, yeah, I feel like it could have used one more episode. I think ending on nine is a little disappointing. Um, I, and I do think overall the show felt like it was rushing at times. I yeah. like There's moments where you meet a character, you get introduced to their story, it's incredibly passionate, it's incredibly detailed, and then that character dies and then we never see them again. That happens multiple times in this season, which is a little frustrating to me, but I think now that I'm at the point where game one is over and now we're in game two... It's far more fascinating because now I'm just completely in the dark. I mean, maybe it's maybe like the introduction and quick, you know, exit of these characters is meant to kind of give the characters a feeling of disposability um i don't know but um yeah i kind of wish yeah i just wish we had a feel a false sense of security with the fireflies i wish um we had more time to feel like joel like there was no opportunity for him to save ellie um i want i want us to feel like there's nothing we can do like we have to face this horrible thing and so that maybe when he starts saving her, we're kind of rooting for him, even though we know that it's fucked up and wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really feel any of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm curious to know how people who, who didn't play the game feel about it. Maybe maybe it felt abrupt in a way that was like startling for them and it yeah. worked. I don't know. Yeah, it was spoiled for me. I was on the last mission and I was talking to my friend about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, he should just let her get killed. And I was like, I'm not done with the game yet. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just like... <laughs> and so... It's funny that your playing... friend said that, like, it's some revelation. <laughs> like, he should have done this. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. duh. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the whole point. Is that he's making the wrong choice. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and so while playing the game, the uh, gravity of that moment was taken away from me. So while watching it, it was just like, okay, like I'm kind of not looking forward to the scene because it's, it's not fun. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of death and a lie and it's really painful. Um, but I do recommend the 30-minute making of documentary that is on HBO Max mm -hmm. right now. Very fascinating. They go through and talk about all the departments. And I love when they just talk about the quadriceps. Like, the shit is just so fucking yeah. cool. And the way they design everything. It's really, really fascinating. Highly recommend that. Cool. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Survivor? New season of Survivor? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this episode, a couple of weeks ago, Daniel... Uh, recommended I watch Survivor Pearl Islands. Mm -hmm. I have not watched Pearl Islands, but another friend of mine suggested I watch uh, like another like late season. There's a lot of debate on where to pick up. Uh, Pearl Islands is season 17, so it's a little bit on the earlier side. Um, and I think it's like seven, maybe. I think it's a little earlier. I, th I think it's 17. I am, okay. I've been doing a lot of Googling. Okay. You can, you can, <laughs> is it? I don't know. I, I'm looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Se seven. Seven? Number seven. I owe you a beer. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's, like, early Survivor and, like, late Survivor. And so on Netflix, there's, like, a season. I think it's on Netflix. There's, like, a season 18 and then a 33. So 33 is Cal Wrong. Um, and that's notable because some say it is the most brutal season of Survivor. There's, like, three medevacs over the course of the season. Hmm. There's uh, a controversial oh, wow. winner at the end. Um, it's a great, great season. I really enjoyed it. The theme of it is brain versus brawn versus beauty. And so they have, like, a tribe of lovely people and a tribe of really buff people and a tribe of brainy people. And it's really, <laughs> it's really fascinating because, like, in that first episode, there's, like, people, like, dehydrated and, like, almost, like, getting choppered out. And I'm just like, they're not going to make it to the end of this thing. <laughs> and then you get to the end, they're like, oh, wow, that person's in the final three. Like, how the fuck is this possible? And so, yes, this show is amazing. I'm addicted to it. Uh, I had never watched a single episode. And over the course of, like, the past week, I binged an entire season. I'm caught up to the new season. The new episode's on in 20 minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to be watching yeah. that very shortly. So... I'm hooked. It's the strategy of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, fucking... I was... Yeah, I was always, like, skeptical of it for whatever reason, but, yeah, the strategy is really fascinating. It's just great to sort of see all these people just continually just be scheming and mac doing things, and it's, it's great. It's great TV. Mike White's awesome. season has... Like, overall, it, it, like, it wasn't the best season I'd seen. I think I've only seen three seasons, which is, like, Pearl Islands, China... And then whatever Mike White, I think Mike White season was uh, David's versus Goliath's. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And like, it wasn't the best season, but it had some moments in it, like some strategic game move moments. Mm -hmm. where I was like, this is fucking insane. I was yeah. just like people like having multiple immunity idols and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. turning the course of the game by like coordinating like votes, like with use of immunity idols. And I don't know. It was really fucking cool. Yeah. It was dope, like, learning all of those things and getting to know the show and how it works. And yeah. so, yeah, now diving into this new season, have you watched it? I haven't watched it at all, no. Okay. Um, it's uh, two episodes in. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, there's just great personalities across all the tribes. Um, yeah, there's been, like, some weird idol immunity things that have already happened that have apparently never happened on the show before, but means nothing to me. But <laughs> it's cool. It's been exciting. 
There's a man named Jam Jam. He's a very charismatic man. <laughs> He's a good time. <laughs> Everyone's team Jam Jam right now. Yeah. Um, so I watched that, and then this past weekend, Scream 6 came out, so I saw that in theaters. Right. Um, I was a little disappointed that my theater was like kind of quiet during the movie. I was really hoping they'd be like, more vocalization and mm-hmm. laughing in because it's fucking scream like it's, it's self-referential it's making fun of the rules of horror i do feel like um the fifth one was more in line with being uh sorry more in line with referencing and sorry more in line with making comments on elevated horror and like the a24 midsummer uh hereditary kind of movies you didn't really take it that far but they sort of at least acknowledge them which i think is cool um, but it still kind of does the typical scream formula. Do they Here, do they say elevated horror in the movie? Yes, in Scream Five. Yeah, <laughs> one of the characters in Scream Five is like huge horror nerd into, uh, yeah, like is the character that Giallo. says elevated horror criticized for saying elevated horror? Uh, there, there might be like an eye roll, okay, but um, okay. overall, the uh, sort of one of the sorry one of the big aspects of Scream Five is uh, sort of addressing toxic fandom. And that's like one of the, the things that mm. is sort of okay, interesting. Uh, pondering, which is r- really great. Um, Cause yeah, it's all about like talking about the stab movies and then all of like the legacy characters coming back and it's like this new generation. So this is a really great dynamic going on. And so with six, it's kind of like a restart. We're new uh, environment. We're going to New York and we're having like an entirely like new kind of thing happening. But instead of like referencing movies and kills of like this generation because it's still kind of in a we're still in elevated horror land kind of sort of it's like a slasher revival kind of happening but they they mostly just reference screen movies themselves mm-hmm. and so it like kind of makes a big effort to just be like okay like if you've made it to movie six now we're just going to just reward you for knowledge of all these other five movies yeah. and i thought it was good i think it's really fun that the ghost face in this movie is very competent he's not like falling down staircases he's just like offing people with a shotgun and he's like fucking actually like lumbering and scary so that's that's really cool um yeah and i feel like it's it's good i'm not like a massive scream fan of like the franchise but i do appreciate those movies and i do like going to see them when i can go see them with like groups of people how's Um, the cast it's good i didn't realize um the male like love interest of Jenna Ortega, his name is Mason Gooding, and he's Cuba Gooding Jr.'s son. Mm, okay. <laughs> which I like had no idea. It looks splitting image looks just like him. Um but then yeah, Jenna Ortega hosted SNL uh that same night, and so that was nice to sort of watch her in Scream and then watch her host SNL, sort of do the actor horror thing and then like completely switch gears and be goofy and dress yeah. up like rogue and X-Men and like and do some Silly shit. Um, she had fun hosting. I think the highlight, the best skit of the night is a Waffle House sketch. Oh, I that saw that one, like, yeah. Yeah, very, very good. Um, that's a good time. I liked the uh, sketch she did with Fred Arbison, too, where yeah. she's practicing for Parent Trap. <laughs> yeah, the Parent Trap. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I was into it. Just yeah, very strange. So if you're listening, check out that Waffle House sketch. It's a good time. But, um, yeah, as we wrap it up for those listening we're doing themes we have 20 sided die daniel's been rolling for the mm-hmm. past oh, i'm always past rolling baby 10 10 to 16 episodes or whatever but now thomas has a 20 sided die so i'm gonna get to roll and pick 
We're not going to go through and list all of the movies on our, our list here. Mm-hmm. We'd like to keep a little bit of a surprise. But we have a list of... I'll say we have like 29 themes here. And I'm going to roll the dice and pick a theme for what we're going to watch the next three movies. All right. What's the number? 20. 20? 20. Wealth. Wealth. It's the first thing that comes to your mind. What's the first movie that comes well, to your mind? You fucking about a, uh, Richie Rich? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Brewster's Millions? <laughs> or like Trading Spaces or something? <laughs> trading Spaces is good. Or yeah. wait, Trading Places, right? Trading Places. <laughs> trading Spaces is the home redecorating. It's like, is there a blackface in that movie? Like, is that, has, it, has that movie been canceled? Is it aged well? <laughs> uh, I mean, contextual. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Richie I shouldn't Rich. be the one saying that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Let's see. Wealth. I mean, I'm down to watch Trading Places. It's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the classic, like Prince and the Popper story. Uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Uh, UFO obsessed Dan Aykroyd. Um, Let me just do a, a very rapid Google search and just see what's. Yeah, Richie Rich, Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, I haven't seen Crazy Rich Asians. And Michelle Yeoh just won Best Actress. I know she's in that. I could be I could be down for that. It's, um, yeah. I had a friend at work who, 100% sincerely, he was like, oh, yeah, I went to go see that uh, Dirty Rich Asian. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, that's not what it's called, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be down for that. There's also a couple of things on this list. It's like The Wolf of Wall Street, The Great Gatsby. I have not seen so- The Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. okay. This could be an education moment for me. Um, I think The Wolf of Wall Street is fantastic. Um, uh, that's a tough choice if I had to choose between both. Because I think, yeah, doing a, a Michelle Yeoh movie would be cool. It's like international, Chinese film, great cast. But yeah, I'm also, yeah, be down for The Wolf of Wall Street because that's explicitly about, like, American financial systems. Yeah. yeah. Um... What was that one? There's one with Christian Bale, The Big Short. Yeah. I feel like that might be relevant to current events. I don't know. Yeah, my only hesitancy with that one is just it's about the density of the financial crisis of 2008. Mm -hmm. And the tongue-in-cheek joke is that it's so complicated that the movie pokes fun about... Oh, it's a fucking Adam McKay movie? Yes, it is Adam McKay movie. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Backtrack out of that. Um... Let's do The Wolf of Wall Street. All right, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been episode 118 of Vague Zone. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at vaguezone. Let us know what you're watching. If you have theme suggestions, let us know. Always down to watch more movies. Yep, this has been episode 118. Thank you for listening. I'm one of your hosts, Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll see you next time. Thank you.